Hi, listeners! Another episode of Escape from Plan A for you. I'm Chris, your host here with Jess. Hey, Jess. What's up? I think it's the first time it's just us two since we did the War and Peace and War episode, which now feels quite long ago in 2021. Yeah, it feels long ago, but also pretty relevant more and more, and that's not a that's not a good thing. <laughs> um so yeah i it's uh, it, it kind of sucks it's an evergreen episode it really shouldn't be but it is that's true when a book repeats war twice in its title that is not something you want being evergreen but hey listeners um we i mean I, I, the last couple episodes we did uh you know very popular we got some great feedback I don't know about you, Jess, but a couple a uh, couple of listeners did tell us that they found it a little depressing. So <laughs> I yeah. thought, you know what, this is Christmas, uh, peace on earth, all that BS, right? So uh, maybe for this episode, we'll switch it up a bit, and we won't talk about you know Asians getting assaulted and the cowards in our community who refuse to do anything about it. So you know, uh, happier times. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep it a little late. Well, let's see. Let's see how we can't make promises. So we'll try right. our best. Yes. Um, but uh, before we start, listeners, if you enjoy listening to us, you can get twice as much of Escape from Plan A. You become our subscriber on Patreon. Just go to www.patreon.com slash plan A mag. The last few months have been really good uh, for us. So we must be doing something right. So, you know, show your support if you aren't a subscriber yet. And you also get access to our discord where all the cool people hang out so there's that it's really fun shout out to to all of our, our patrons hanging out in the discord it's a really fun space um mm-hmm. lot of, lots of cool people there uh talking about lots of cool stuff but yeah it is they are it is the cool kids clubs so if you want in you're gonna you're gonna yeah come on in water's fine yeah and with you know it's winter it's getting Darker, colder, uh, Omicron's everywhere. So, uh, you know, internet Speak socialization. For yourself. Man, the seasons get totally dominated by the East Coast. It's 80 degrees in California. That is true. But it has, I think, been a, quite a warm uh, just year around. Like, I was just walking down my street this weekend and I realized some of these trees uh, still have leaves on them. And it's like oh, already wow. December. So, um, and and I remember trying to go see the the foliage color change. Uh, I think it was sometime in early October, and it still hadn't happened. So um, it's kind of warm here too. In fact, today I had to walk around with my coat off because it was getting too oh, warm. Oh wow, that's new. I've never had. I've never experienced that from the East Coast before. Usually around now, you should have had like. Wouldn't you usually have the first snow right around now? We did. It was very brief and uh insubstantial but um i a couple of weekends ago late at night it was a saturday uh it started snowing a little bit and i think that was the first snow of the year oh okay yeah yeah so anyway uh so let's let's break out into our uh topics first off i mean this is kind of already kind of old because i think the it happened last week but spotify unwrapped it was like the news for the day, at least on on Twitter, and you know people are sharing their lists. Just do you use Spotify? I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good. If I were if I were only me, then it would be kind of a one sided conversation. But just did you did you check your list? Uh, I did. I wasn't going to, but then everyone did it, so I figure I had to. Um, right. I mean, it's fun. It's a. Uh, it's like hats off to Spotify. 
they're making the surveillance state seem fun. Like, this is, <laughs> I mean, people have been posting it like it's like therapeutic or, you know, like self-care or actually like a, like a process of self-discovery. They're like, oh, I had no idea. Like, yes, you did. You listened to that shit. All right. They're not telling you anything you didn't already know. That but is you true. Package, you package it all up. You put some nice fonts on it, some, some nice colors, some graphics, tailor it to you and, you know, cater to everyone's main character syndrome. And there you have it. Surveillance is now now um part of your personal brand hats off i i agree with you in that we generally kind of know what we listen to but i think we're not quite aware of for example what we most listen to that could be true yeah what, what, what was your number one song if you tell me i'll tell you mine Okay, my my uh, my number one song is this German, uh, like Euro trash pop song called Caramel Dancing. Oh, that's so much I cooler have... than mine. No, you should listen to this song. It's a, it's <laughs> it is Euro trash to the max. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, let's see. Oh, okay, yeah, and then um, and then Dolly Parton, Jolene. And See, that's, that's cool, though. That's good. It's a classic. I mean, I I know of that song. Um, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but it's, yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed to say mine. So, <laughs> so mine was, um, all right, whatever, I'll just say it. It was uh, Motion Sickness by Phoebe Bridgers. I don't, it's, oh, okay. it's just summer. I blame the summer. Like, I, it just happened to randomly, you know how Spotify generates those random playlists based on yeah. something? I stumbled upon it, I, I and it just was on my summer playlist, so... Whenever I would just like, you know, go outside for a little bit and just need a song to listen to, I guess it, I kept playing it and it ended up being number one. And I was like, oh, when I saw it, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's like, I guess it could well, be worse. I was going to guess that it was going to be something churches, but I guess uh, they haven't released anything in a while. Well, they were my they? number one band. I guess I just didn't oh, okay. listen to, I guess my it was much more spread out. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you just didn't like being like called out so accurately. but see the the worrying thing is that well you mentioned how spotify is is basically functioning as some kind of it's like a you know a reflection of of yourself that you you may not even know what if it just lied to you and and then you saw it and you're like oh i didn't know i was like this and i I feel like it it could become a feedback loop and if spotify just happened to want to promote a certain artist whatever and and even if you only listen to them like the six most, they just said they were number one. How would we know, right? It's just um... well, I mean, this is the this is data science, right? Um, so it, the the outcome is only going to be the output is ever going to be as good as the input that you put into it, right? For something like this, the input is uh, pretty obscure. It's simply uh, this user and uh, the stuff that they listen to, how many times, maybe when, but I don't really see anything in Spotify Rap that indicates like seasonality, like what did you listen to when it was warm or cold or whatever. <laughs> um, it's just a year. So it's very, it's actually a very crude set of metrics here. Um, so in between, they're just creating a narrative out of thin air. Right. Um, it and doesn't ask like why you listen to it, right? Like my podcast, uh, you didn't ask what podcast, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it, right? Uh, my top podcasts this year were um, were like history, philosophy. Like Joe Rogan ended up taking quite a few <laughs> listens, um, and Champagne Sharks, right? Um, like Spotify, basically, I think it, I, I, this is probably, I probably made it up, but like, I swear Spotify called me a bro at one point mm-hmm. when, when describing that, 
Um, so it has very little to go on. Like why I listen to those things um, is not is not asked, right? No one asked you why, right? So my top uh, like genre is actually soundtrack, movie soundtrack. And I do that because I happen to like movie soundtracks playing in the background while I work. Right. right, yeah. Which is um, very different from what I want to, like, dance to or sing along to or what I listen to to, like, uh, to um, to educate myself or something. So they kind of have to make all that up. So if you read too deeply into it, that is a feedback loop because you they've given you some some made up bullshit as basically kind of a mood ring. Uh, it's about as a, it's about as accurate as like a cosmopolitan personality test or something. Exactly. Um, yeah. And um, what is Cosmopolitan, a Cosmopolitan the magazine? So for male listeners who don't know, like like Cosmo the magazine was notorious for putting out these uh, things. And like like I mean the internet era, like all the random like which friends character are you or something like that. Like right? the Buzzfeed it's, quizzes, yeah. Yeah, Buzzfeed quizzes. So it's not it's nothing deeper than that. If you take it too seriously, then you're gonna like refeed the machine with that same BS, and it's gonna keep just iterating on this uh on this BS. So there's a limit to how much a person should be able to should like trust what um random like like data science shit can do so yeah don't don't take it as like a don't take it as a an indictment of character or personality or even like it reflects anything it simply just reflects um just the 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 very coarse aggregate of your activity on this platform over the course of a year yeah like yeah in my top genres number three four and five is respectively late romantic era which you know classical music jazz piano <laughs> classical piano and again th those are like that's part of my playlist i listen to when i'm at a cafe doing writing um so that is but then you, you look at that playlist and be like what's up with this guy <laughs> like what century is he living in and yeah. it's just like no because I, I most of the music i listen to i guess is when i'm actually you just need some background music to to distract myself from all the chatter like a, like one tile, it starts as while everyone was trying to figure what NFTs were, you had one song on repeat, um, and that's the the Euro trash uh, <laughs> Euro trash song, right? And like I was trying to figure out what NFTs were. Um, mm -hmm. The next one, you know, you deserve a playlist as long as your skincare routine. You don't know what my skincare routine is. That's very random. It is very random. But they thought you were um, a bro as well, so why would they say that? That's that seems. So this is just all over the place. It's it's hilarious, but it's also, you know, you know, the machine has no power over me. I tell you what to do. You don't tell me what to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's just it's just fun, I guess. There's a limit mm. to there's a limit to how scary Spotify is. Um, so I think they can they can play around with this concept a little bit more. Like if Facebook tried to do like a Facebook unwrapped, I think that could get really scary for people. Like th that would actually, that could actually <laughs> reveal some some dark shit. <laughs> it's like you are a bad son or daughter because you ignored your parents' private messages. 90% of the time or something like that. Yeah. I mean, they have, they have WhatsApp and Instagram. So it's like, I know you're cheating on your, on your girl, man. I know it. <laughs> Just remember when we were, it's probably like when we were in college, when there were all those rumors about uh, how you could download some program where you could track who looked at your Facebook profile. Mm -hmm. And that just scared people straight because it was like the thing to do back then to go Facebook stalking. I mean, nobody does that really uh, anymore, but. I mean, for a while it was true. Oh wait, was it? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it started at Harvard. Uh, Zuckerberg is a couple of years ahead of me, but so the second school it went to uh, after it it uh, 
after uh, Harvard was MIT, right down the street. So that was so that so we were like the second group of guinea pigs to hop on. Um, and for a while, I mean, it was just a it was a very amateur platform. I'd argue it still is. It's just exponentially scarier. But um, that aside, technical. Um, this is not a technical pod, so we'll keep that. We'll keep that. We'll put a little pin in that for later. Um, you could actually hack on it. So a lot of people were either actively building on it or building like bots or something to game the platform. Um, so you actually could. I don't know when they took it out. I stopped using Facebook seriously like a couple within a couple of years. So, um, but I mean that was absolutely true for a while. I mean he made that he made it to uh, to what rank girls in his what hall or dorm or something uh well yeah that's that's what i gleaned from the social network um i mean a lot of it's fabricated but i think that part is true yeah by the time it rolled out like by the time it left you know um the test group at harvard it was basically like uh like linkedin um it was essentially like you didn't you didn't put you didn't put too much personal stuff. You would kind of show off on like like classes you were taking or stuff you're doing to curate oh, yeah, like that. a public facing <laughs> persona, but not it wasn't really a private platform yet. Um, that of course, I mean, so I think the idea for a while was that it was going to be just like for college, for college people or like maybe young professionals to kind of use as a as a professional networking site, not you know a global behemoth that's choking this, the life out of public discourse on the planet. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a digression, though. Pretty big one. <laughs> well, but, I yeah. do want to talk about college uh, a bit later, but I, I still want to stick on the Spotify thing. Uh, so, just what were your top five artists? Top five artists. Let's see. Nicholas Britell. Oh, good. Uh, uh, Hans excellent. Zimmer. Yeah, Hans Zimmer, Beethoven. Yeah, Zimmer not as excellent. Okay, Beethoven quite excellent. He's my, you know, he's a he's an unproblematic, unironic fave. All right, uh, I know it's tacky. Wait, to, Zimmer to, or to, Beethoven? Uh, Zimmer. Oh, okay. Uh, Beethoven's uncancelable, so I'm not even gonna try. Well, I heard he was kind of a jerk, but um, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he was, he was like, German. Was he was German. He's deaf, and he's also really dead. So yeah. you know, we're gonna have to just let some things slide. Because um, he had the bad hair, that would make anyone cranky. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that's fine. What were yours? Wait, wait. I didn't catch number four and five. Oh wait, hold on. Sorry, I closed it. Just okay. I'm gonna pull it back up, but you t- you say yours. Okay, so number one, you were at churches. Number two, always. Number three, plastic girl in closet. Number four, uh, this is also kind of embarrassing. I, I think I, I dated someone in the summer who's a big Lana Del Rey fan, so I think that's how she came number four because I only knew one song by her before, but then I guess I, mm-hmm. I listened to her a lot. Number five, hotel pools. Okay, all right, that sounds that's that's cool. So misfits. Um, so yeah, uh, were they a punk keep, band? Kinda. Not really. I guess yeah, yeah, sure. Misfits. Uh they're 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 a punk ish band, sure. Um this uh this this crazy this crazy artist called Searle, like S three R L. Um I don't S3, even know okay. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what genre this is. It's like anime EDM or something. Oh, that sounds good. I, I that's uh, yeah, sounds it's like something really, I would it's like. Fun. Yeah, it's fun. I'll send I'll send the link to you, but it's sure. a it's a fun genre um and uh and john prine john prine um mm-hmm. uh kind of singer songwriter from an okay. older era i think a lesser known kind of kind of in the same genre as uh bob dylan oh okay um, all right cool. yeah and he died he died early last year of uh of covid 
like oh, one shit. of the first big like celebrity deaths. Was it? Was um, he? He must have been old then if he was a John. I think not John yeah. Dylan. Bob yeah, Dylan. I think he's uh, a bit contemporary. Bob Dylan. Yeah. So I think a, a bit younger, but roughly the same, like same, you know, uh, era. Is Bob Dylan still alive? Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah, he won a Nobel Prize recently, but I thought maybe he died uh, sometime between then and now. But okay. He won alive. the Nobel Prize? Seriously? Or Pulitzer Prize. One of those prizes. Pulitzer? Okay. Um, but I think it was a Nobel Prize for literature or something. And then for literature. Okay. It kind of felt like a kind of stunty. You know, they, let's, let's give it to somebody whom people actually know for once. And then. Huh. I wonder how they got over the plagiarism charges. Oh, I didn't know about that. Uh, yeah, he was a kind of a notorious plagiarist in his uh, in his younger years. Oh yeah, uh, of whom um, like other like lesser known folk singers or yeah yeah so stealing lyrics or you know bars from other artists. Uh, he always did put his own spin on it, but um, I mean it's a it's kind of a squishy thing, right? If you're in kind of this hippie environment where the idea is to share and collaborate and create something, uh, what happens when someone you know with the slickest hands basically uh, takes the entire group's you know group, takes the group project, puts his own name on it, and becomes a multimillionaire? Yeah, right. Have you ever seen Inside Lewin Davis? Mm-mm. Oh, that's a really good movie. Uh, it, it's not about Bob Dylan, but it's about another folk singer at the uh, at the time. He's not a real guy, but it, it's probably like a composite of you know a countless number of forgotten folk singers. And you know, Bob Dylan kind of makes a, a cameo at one point. Uh, I ha- highly recommend that movie. It's one that I've been meaning to rewatch because I watched it uh, several years ago. I think it's on. Amazon Prime or, or Hulu. I don't know one of those streaming uh, services. Uh-huh. It's there. Okay, uh, before we move on, I just want to read this one tweet. Uh, I, um, it was by this guy named Rajas Suresh, and it's called, Why Does Spotify Talk Like This? So I don't know if you got this message. I don't think I did, uh, or it was so bad that I just I didn't even bother screenshotting. It says, your shit was on Fleek King. You are a total Karen, but your music is high key fire and we stand. You yeeted on the Rona this year and kept it lady no cap. Your t- taste may be chuggy and extra, but haters be hating. You always keep it hunted, playa. <laughs> the boomers don't know what your shit slaps. And that's the <laughs> biggest Oh my God. I'm, I'm cringing so you, hard. You low-key I... were flexing on them hoes. And that's the... I, I don't even want to continue on anymore. It, it was a pretty wow. well-circulated uh, tweet. You can probably Damn. find it. But, no, actually, I never read it straight through. <laughs> but as I was reading, I realized it made absolutely no sense. It was like... The, the mess the computer program got got senile and in, in, in like the last sentence had no relation to the <laughs> sentence that came after <laughs> like a person wrote this or because that sounds like a chat bot this is just a markov chain run over um like tiktok yeah no this is the kind of message that if you get on a dating app you immediately just uh block you know, like i knew this person was, was too hot i knew she was no a like this sen- that sentence does not pass the turing test for me Right. You know yeah. what the Turing you know what the Turing test is, right? Uh it's something about an AI being able to pass off as a human, is that right? Yeah, so okay. yeah, so if you can read that and not tell, like like you can engage with this piece of uh like these words on the screen and you like you just think it's a human that wrote it, then you'd say that this thing passed the Turing test. So that sentence to me does not pass the Turing test. But I also noticed this with online conversation, like real actual people are failing the Turing test for me. <laughs> So I think this is a fancy way of saying that I'm I I myself am getting old. So um, the cutting edge of verbal trends and ticks online is uh, like I I am a bit past that. 
But also, I think I have a point here that, like, we're talking about, like, letting Spotify unwrap, like, taking it too seriously starts creating, like, an iterative loop where you're shaping your personality around what these, uh, what these uh, personality tests uh, give you, basically. It's kind of like that. Like, people are just, people are very plastic with communication. Like, we're really adaptable and we pick up stuff and drop stuff all the time in, in language. Um, but given all the stuff that's flying, all the ways people talk online, increasingly, I can't tell the difference between people and actual bots. Um, so the, when they made the Turing test, they did not properly account for people starting to fail them. Right, right. And actually, this is, uh, something that I had no intention of talking about. I just want to quickly reference, because you may not know, uh, Jess, but have you seen those clips of that new Amazon Prime show, Harlem, circulating? Uh, yes. Okay. That, I think, is an example. Of, it's not quite failing the Turing test, but it is this thing where people don't talk like human beings. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it happens to like a lot of these, like quote-unquote, woke shows where everyone just talks like uh, a live Twitter account. Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is, th this is probably how these the people who wrote it actually talk in their real life and they think that's normal and they put it in the show and everyone else is just like, what the hell? It, this is just terrible. But it happens so consistently that it's either, I think that is how they actually talk about, or I actually think this is part of some kind of uh, so-called art artistic ideology where they want the audience to just get beaten over the head with, with, with this type of language until we, we submit to them. Um, I don't know. When you saw the clip, what did you think? Um, it just followed the same template. I mean, I listen to Champagne Sharks too, so you know, I've, I, I, I <laughs> my my opinion on these things is uh, is is uh, shaped to some degree by the stuff that like T will talk about, um, and Tume, you know, are, are good are good are good friends um, who talk a lot about media stuff, especially black like contemporary black media. Um, but I, I mean, it's it's like. It's like one step past the concept of the soundbite, you know? Uh, the soundbite is like a short little clip uh, that conveys a brief, uh, crudely articulate, like crudely bounded idea that's still like emotionally punchy. And it, the idea is to just get that out there in the shortest amount of time possible, tailored for stuff like cable news or something. Right. right? Yeah. This is kind of the same thing, but blown out some. So this is kind of like the reverse of a soundbite. Um, where you're taking a concept and you're, st it's still kind of a mimetic, uh, 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 like it's still packaged kind of like a meme, right? It's one packaged concept that they're just simply spending, you know, a, li a, 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 a lot of time to like flesh out before, before moving on to the next like meme. It's, it's I mean, all these shows seem to follow that kind of story. It's like one, one little, like one soundbite fleshed, one fleshed out soundbite here and then move on to the next soundbite that's fleshed out there. And it's just like connect, like plot is basically just the connections between these uh, like blobs of content that they want <laughs> to make sure that they're conveying. It's just like blobs, like, like, like dollops of, of, uh, like dollops of content strung with a like flimsy plot um, connecting the two. I think one, one like never attribute to malice what you can attribute to what is it ignorance or something stupidity so I think, stupidity okay um, 
<laughs> uh, so I think there's like, um, I think we can talk about like the interior, like motivations of these people all we want, but I think it's, it's at some level, it's easiest to just say, you guys are bad writers. This is just bad art. You guys just do not have the capabilities or, you know, the sheer raw, you know, talent, um, and, you know, uh, artistic intelligence to be able to do, to create something that is emotionally resonant and does not live in like the, uh, in like the frontal lobe space of like making sure content is unproblematic and politically correct. Yeah. And uh, speaking of our friend M. Tume, I think it was just last week he was sharing this article that I read, which uh, was highly critical of this new type of just acting where everyone just kind of mumbles and oh, yeah. and i thought that was a that, that that suffers from the polar opposite problem of these types of you know like harlem or you know shows like Ginny and georgia which are so painfully contrived the, the way they talk in that um it just ref, it just sounds like a, a twitter conversation mm-hmm. and then on the other extreme you, you got the the type of uh cinema or whatever where everyone's just just mumbling like people do in real life and i guess the it's kind of just going between two undesirable extremes yeah mm, yeah i i didn't i i didn't put it together until he did he until he called it out like that but uh yeah i <laughs> i just remember being very annoyed with my speakers like i'd keep like raising the volume and then lowering it because if i don't know how i don't know how they're mixing sound these days it's different from show to show and from platform to platform it makes it really hard um especially if you have like uh like your own stereo setup um like for a while i was just like living with the remote in my hand because if i didn't if i didn't raise it like lower the volume then the background noise like a music or the sound effects would be deafening but um, or like the or, but I or the reverse where I can't hear dialogue, uh. So it's been a struggle. So now I I mean I I'm not taking the blame for this. That's that's y'all's <laughs> fault. Yeah. Talk normal. <laughs> but I did notice that like people not like enunciating, um, kind of not people don't really move naturally in uh, in movies or or TV anymore. Just kind of this like stilted like squared up uh feeling to them they're not really or moving organically you you mean so. they're they're moving as if they're on stage and they're always yeah yeah okay. I th- so i think uh I, I think an extension to that i'm not a critic at all but a lot of these things kind of take on they feel more like plays than uh real life like s- simulations of real life in a, in some alternate dimension can, can you give an example of maybe a movie that does that just trying to because I would think the problem no. has been the opposite, where if, if people are indeed mumbling through their lines, I mean, classically trained actors would over-enunciate and project because there, you know, there are no real microphones on stage, at least back in the day. But now everyone's just uh, more acting for, for the camera, I guess. And because of that, all that like theatrical training is lost. But you're saying people actually move like they're they're on stage now that's interesting well it's a it's a much more constricted stage so the stage that's like bounded by say your your phone right for tiktok or something so oh it is a okay, very okay. More, okay. it is a personal bubble but nonetheless a performance a very self-conscious mm-hmm. performance uh that is just tailored for the dimensions of this particular of this new little little tiny stage right yeah yeah. Uh, speaking of TV, uh, I mean, the the next topic I want to talk about, I mean, I've just been kind of thinking about it because a few days ago, for whatever reason, 
uh, college student loan forgiveness was briefly back in the news. Some politicians were talking about it. And then AOC was talking about how apparently like some people are against the idea because firstly, some people have already paid it back and it, it's kind of this, well, why should others be rewarded for dawdling on their debts when I was responsible and paid it back? Stuff like that. There's also the argument against, uh, well, the only people who go to college are generally rich kids anyway. You're just rewarding them. And I was just wondering about, you know, this this just national, I think growing national uh, antipathy, even among college students themselves against college and college students. And I think it's been worsened by things like Operation Varsity Blues, uh, also known as that big cheating scandal um, that, uh, you know, was in 2019. And uh, somewhat coincidentally, I'm just, I'm hate watching the show on HBO Max right now called The Sex Lives of College Girls, this new Mindy Kaling show. And it's just, it feels like such a throwback to my, I guess, our generation in the sense that it is so uncritical of the idea that you go to college and this is where you have these fun adventures and you find yourself and you have these crazy hijinks uh, where you meet friends, you fuck around, you, you know, both literally and figuratively. And it just feels so, in 2021, it just feels so out of touch with like, this would already feel old fashioned in like 2011, let alone like 2021. So, well, I mean, uh, do you have any thoughts on this matter? This this idea of devaluation of college, even among young people, that's quite different from when we were that age. Uh, first of all, just side note, Chris, all I want for you on Christmas, and I'm saying this on the pot, <laughs> all I want for you for Christmas is to joy watch some things. I want you to have a diet that's richer in joy fiber, not 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 the straight diabetes, you know, IV of hate watching. Yeah, I mean, I, I one of the last topics I want to hit up is just like some Christmas things we're watching. I, you know, that is, I think, a positive balance. I recently watched The Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, the the original. Okay. Uh, oh, so you okay. know, that that was something I've been wanting to watch for a long time. So you know, I think that's a that's a balanced meal of love and hate watching but sure i'm just <laughs> thank I'm, you for your concern I'm per- <laughs> i i'm perfectly willing to accept that you are just built different honestly like i like every time you talk about like i'm hate watching this i'm hate reading this i'm like why until i think like maybe it's just like those crabs that live on you know volcanoes in the middle of you know like an acid you know s- desert crabs or you know some animal that makes its living in wait, the wait, most wait, there are crabs who live in the desert um did i say what i said I, I don't know. So, okay, some animal. <laughs> it doesn't make sense that crabs would live in the desert. No. Okay. I there are animals that live in very inhospitable locations and have adapted to thrive in said locations. So, if you are simply built to thrive in that environment and that truly gives you joy, then I'm going to have to just accept that too. So, Oh shit, there are crabs. Yes. Yes. I love being I love being <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I wish for you a diet that brings of a media diet that brings you true joy in whatever environment you thrive in. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> but you know, Christmas like watching wholesome Christmas movies though. I don't know. I feel like that's a maybe that's a little bit too like that's 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 too abrupt a switch up switch up <laughs> though. Like I don't want you to like fall over a heart attack or something. <laughs> 
But uh, so back to the college thing. I don't know. Okay, I guess we should we should lay our cards on the table. Um, did you take out loans to go to college? I did not take out college loans. I got like I got like a a grant that covered the majority of it, and then we we had the option of uh, taking out loans for the rest, or you know we would cover it as a family, and it made more sense to just cover it as a family. So I did not graduate with loans, uh, thankfully. So that is not something that I've had to deal with. What about you? Okay. Uh, same. So, uh, I mean, uh, you're, you're, so law school too? Uh, no. So law school, pretty much like, long story short, I had a like grandparent who was willing to pay for my college, but because I got the, the scholarship, um, that fund was used for law school. Okay. All right. Um, so basically, uh, like you and me both, then we entered our professional lives with zero student debt. Mm-hmm. Um, so just putting those cards on the table. That being said, I fully support uh, college student debt forgiveness uh, and to make that an ongoing thing. Like this is a severely broken system that's crippling us as a country. Uh, I think where the, the dialogue gets broken is that we keep thinking of it in terms of individual as an individual debt. Uh, and not and not taking into any consideration what kind of position what what like the nature of education means for a qualified you know like as a launching pad to create the next generation of like professionals that keep this country moving um so we're not properly taking that once you take once you take the big picture in in mind like it makes no sense the way we the way we structure student uh the student debt it really doesn't we should not be doing this it's incentivizing all the wrong things. Well, I think it makes perfect sense in the if your goal is to essentially control, have popular, like be able to control uh, people as, as a mass group. Because if you start them off with this in the red, essentially, there are certain things they can and can't do. You, obviously, like for example, if you take law school, if you settle law students with uh, a lot of debt, chances are they can't go into say public interest law. All of them That's will true. have to go into uh, big law, something like that. Or if you even go to the undergraduate level, I mean, there is a reason why so many became consultants or go into banking and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, some of them are just greedy and stuff. But, you know, a lot of them, if you are paying what, like, I don't even want to know how much college, like a like a elite school costs these days, probably like up to like 80 grand, uh, everything um, mm-hmm. included. If you're paying that much, um, unless you're already very, independently wealthy if you just say i just want to follow my dreams and and do what i want you know that that is not everyone can say that a lot of kids do have to be like well uh i either got to pay off my debts or i got to pay back my parents in some way at least give them a sense of security so they they don't worry i'm going to become a a mooch all the way up until my 30s and 40s so yeah they, they trap you in that system and it makes perfect sense from that point of view but yeah from a person like if they're actually looking out for your well-being it makes absolutely no sense yeah um and it, i mean it uh it, it creates you know and this is the we mentioned the uh war and peace and war pod we did and this is again one of the points where it keeps it keeps staying sadly relevant is uh this system helps perpetuate an ossified uh, uh ossified social class at the top so if you make the barrier to entry high, it's only going to be people with the means to put their kids through these expen- really expensive uh, credential uh, credential programs, basically, uh, to enter the ruling class. That's that's who it's going to be made up by. That's So it's going to be just a generational transfer of, of power and privilege um, wrapped in the new language of meritocracy. 
because that's the system we think we're operating in uh based on based on you know the education trends of like the last the last century yeah and also it's not only controlling the students it's also controlling the parents because the moment they decide to have kids you got to start worrying you know in about 18 years I got a dude. Um, yeah, I yeah. Friends were telling me about this. I mean, I have friends who are having kids. Like they set up their like like. There's an investment account specifically for like college tuition, education expenses, stuff like that. They started padding this like three years before this kid was born. Yeah, and then if you're an employer, that's good because now you got parents scared stiff that their kid is either they're gonna have to save up like. I don't know, a hundred grand to just for like their kids freshman year, or they think their kids gonna, I don't know, be flipping burgers all their lives. So then you as an employer, you got, you can call the shots. You can kind of do whatever you want with them, scare them into compliance, et cetera. It's like the whole system. I mean, I, I, I mean, I just imagine if, if we didn't have to think that way, how many things that we just took for granted as being normal would just suddenly seem crazy and be like, why the hell did we think that was okay? I would know uh, a lot of. We don't even need to think outside the box on this one. Other countries have done it. For, have done it for us. There is no reason. Like our credentialing programs are both way too long. Uh, again, because these are cash cow programs, it kind of behooves the institutions to keep us trapped yeah, for a school, long amount of time. Example, yeah. yeah, medical school. I mean, it's it's outrageous how long um, how long. Uh, like potential doctors have to be in training before they start before they get uh, their first paycheck. So not only is the cost of the education super super high, you also make that investment super costly in terms of uh like how long how like the impact it's going to have on their professional lives, which are of course shorter because you're making credentialing uh longer. So I mean if you're if you're like an advanced surgeon, I think you can be in your late 30s before you're actually pulling your first page like real paycheck yeah before that you're probably like making not that much more than a recent college yeah i think uh, residents uh it's been a while since i've known people who are residents and stuff so um maybe the numbers have changed but you make like you make like an okay wage you make like in the in the five figures yeah Uh, i had a friend who who uh was doing that he was making about 80k and i was just so flabbergasted because he was in one of the most lucrative medical Mm -hmm. fields and mm-hmm. I, I would, I assumed he was, you know, by then it had been several years since he graduated med school and everything. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm only making 80,000. Like, wow. That's. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's a good wage. Don't get me wrong. Right. You can ha- you can live fairly comfortably uh, like anywhere in the country uh, with a couple of exceptions, maybe on 80K, especially if you're alone. However, because these programs are so long, a resident who's pulling 80K might actually have a family. That they that they have to contribute uh, financially towards, yeah, um, and their hours and just the investment uh, they put in. Um, you know, they could have been, they might have been able to make that eighty k. Like if they went just directly to work after college, maybe in a few years they could have done that. But they yeah, and meanwhile, so if they took out effort. any loans, then this is still even if they aren't paying it back yet, this is still sitting there collecting interest. Um, 
while they are getting while they are you know doing all their credentialing to finally uh to to finally become you know a real boy uh <laughs> in the adult world so you know you've you've incentivized all the wrong things so once they leave that now they have to get a super high paid job in a very competitive market just to be able to you know rec- one like recoup the investment that they put into both mon- in time and money just getting to that point and then second to you know li- like to live as as professionals in the field of their choosing. So this this excludes a lot of this precludes a lot of talent from going into places that are actually more dictated by need than by, you know, uh wage. So we're seeing huge lopsided imbalances. And, and since me- medicine is one of the most uh, intensive now, um, a lot of doctors are just coming from the upper, like the upper middle class, right? Like generally, like they've been tracking this over years. Um, there's a, every year there's fewer and fewer people from like middle or lower classes who are, who are entering medicine because really? it's so expensive and so time intensive. Yeah. So this becomes a real problem. Like if you like if you if you read up, you know things like medical discrimination, right? Uh, like doctors that are out of touch or just don't, or uh, you know, have prejudices against people of certain backgrounds or something. This is all compounded because the cohort is increasingly coming from a very very limited s- subsection of society. Yeah, and and not only that, but like the AMA keeps the cap on doctors very low. Yep. And I, I know in Canada, I don't know if they still have it, but I remember several years ago, there was like a doctor shortage because I'm mean, getting to med school in Canada is extremely difficult just because there aren't that many med schools and the, the, the number is kind of kept at the same level. And I think even as the population grows, even as there are people from uh, other countries that want to come in, I, I think it's, it's pretty much impossible if you're an international student to go to med school in Canada. And the country needs more doctors, but... I guess for the interests of you know various reasons, probably one of which is just you know keeping the wages high or something, it's yeah it's capped at that number. And I I know like lawyers often kind of look upon doctors with some envy because you know like there's a way too many lawyers. That's the old old joke, which is kind of true as well. But nobody ever says oh there are too many doctors because you know they they got a system and there's a reason why they're it's like that. Yeah, like remember that uh, what, what was his name, Doctor Hanjo Kim? He, oh, yeah, he made the, uh, he, he made the oh, news. I wonder how that guy's song. doing. That yeah, like so, um, I mean, he's gonna be. Have you seen his jawline? He's probably gonna be <laughs> fine. All right, don't 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 waste time worrying about him. All right, one of the. De- I mean, it's a crazy story. His like, he married a beauty queen. She turned out to have been a high end escort while they were married. Um, like before and, and after they were married, like she, she kept at it. She was like addicted to her lifestyle. I guess. I, I'm like okay. Hi, I. This is the media representation I am going to need. I need to know what the hell was going on in this marriage here. Uh, that aside, one detail was that he's, a, I think, an orthopedic surgeon. So he yes. was banking like two million dollars in a year. Mm-hmm. I think that should set off a few, like a few, like bells in people's heads. Like a doctor making two million. That's a that's a I'm not begrudging him the money. I'm sure he's a talented doctor. I think he works with like a some some sports ball team. I don't I don't know. Like he making making bank. Uh but a doctor as like a, as a millionaire making making that much money in a year after uh like I mean, to get to that point, you have taken up a ton of like public resourcing, um, a lot of that to to that has been invested in your career and this it's I don't, something just seems off about that. I don't think this should, 
I don't think you should be uh, making that kind of money as a doctor. I think we need more of them, and they should make they should make good livings because it is a difficult it is a difficult occupation and demands a lot of sacrifice from people who choose to enter it. But uh, the idea of like a doctor becoming like a super like a I don't know um, a a scalpel baron I don't know what to call him that's it's kind of an insane number for yeah. for a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's just a, it's to me, it's just a sign of a very, very tilted playing field here. And there's a lot more losers and there are winners in it by design. So, you know, you can say good, good job, you know, good job, Hanjo, just pick a better wife next time. I don't know. <laughs> um, and you can take a step back and like, how many, how many more people could have seen an orthopedic surgeon if we had made the entire education process, uh, the, the credentialing process more equitable and allowed more people to enter the field and get trained, uh, get trained sufficiently. And how many more people would be, would we be able to help who probably cannot afford Dr. Kim's uh, services? Yeah, maybe he should invent you know those like Doctor Octopus arms, so he can perform more surgeries. Dude, uh, I saw the one once. that they're doing that they did in China, um, robot surgery uh, over five G. The the surgeon was like like thousands of miles away. Oh my god! And the surgery was that's basically so scary. In real time. What what if what if there's like a bad internet connection and oops? Um, well, I mean, this is the flex. This is the flex. You you better you better not have Spectrum. Uh, that's I, for sure. <laughs> God, don't even tell me about Spectrum. I'm like, every time we pod, I have to be, I have to like check my router and be like, please, Spectrum, do not crap out. If you do, I have nothing I can do about it because you are a goddamn monopoly on where I live. But just please hang on. <laughs> my God, Spectrum. Uh, that's a nightmare. That's, Surgery on Spectrum. It's a oh my God. Yeah, but that's 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 the flex. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, going back to the college thing. So I mean, this also interested me. Because often the way, because like I think the fact is that um, when we think of student debt, we probably think of some, probably some like you know middle class white kid who went to an expensive private school and happened to study I don't know complet or something and can't really find a job to pay back his or her loans. But I think the reality is most of the the loans, especially the the most just you know life worsening loans, are taken out by lower income students who went to for-profit schools and didn't even finish. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. it's just like throwing, you know, bad money after bad money and all that. Um, but whenever I think somebody tries to douse the, the flames of this passion to, you know, forgive student debt, all they have to do is conjure up some image. Oh, so you want to basically subsidize the bad choices of some pink haired, Oberlin educated gender studies major and then everyone just just gets like oh fuck that you know and just like what well, is it about I, I, this is right? the yeah. limit this is the limit of a particular this is the limit of the uh the discussion as it is it assumes that the system will always stay the way it is right one of the things if if the, one of the things that is a that will be triggered with uh, something like student debt forgiveness st- institutions and lenders will be much much more careful about how they charge things right now it's a spree colleges can basically charge whatever they want so long as they meet some minimum uh so so long as they meet their their threshold especially with international students flooding in with tuition money right um we have like society has spent generations drilling uh, into our heads that you are not going to be able to better your situation in life without a college degree Right, so you've basically made it a, a utility, a necessity for entry into adult life, 
right? Once you do that, then you've already set the stage for, you know, um, for credential dilution. So this would be, you know, like the, the canonical example of like underwater basket weaving at, you know, a super niche uh, liberal arts college that, that charges like $100,000 a year or something. Right. Imagine if institutions were more on the hook for the kinds of the kinds of degrees and programs that they are offering, and lenders are going to be a lot more careful because there is always the risk that it's all going to get the rug is going to it's not the rug is going to yank, get yanked out from under them, and uh, the cash is going to the cash is going to dry up that comes from like 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 the feds or something, right? Yeah, I, I wonder if. Like universities became more vocational in nature. There is this like, well, we I think by now it's quite firmly established that, especially when it comes to like politics, far more than your income or even like race or gender is education, and and not you know high school versus non high school. It's college versus non college. That is the most. I think I've I've read multiple articles where it's like that's the most determinative factor. Like remember the recent uh, Virginia governor's race between Youngkin and McAuliffe? Mm-hmm. There was like this um, right after that election. There was this poll that showed well white people had voted overwhelmingly for Youngkin. But if you looked at that uh, broken down by education level, I think college educated both men and women had gone more for McAuliffe than even Joe Biden. So almost, I mean, all of that. Uh, shift had happened to non-college educated white people so mm-hmm. it's just like what is it what is it about college and then it, it, I, I think uh, watching watching a show like like sex lives with college girls i mean one interest i have i mean i personally i'm just like very interested in just college stories because for me college just was just more eventful than high school so I've, you know, whether it's novels or movies or tv shows i've always tried to search for those and it's not that common and i've always wondered is it because people aren't telling it right or or it, do people just not like it and i'm think i think if people just don't like it there's something about college that the va- a majority of americans don't like i mean one thing because they don't go to it but i don't think it's just about say privilege because i think americans are obsessed with rich people they love stories about uh you know oil barons or you know prep school kids and all that but what but they don't like college and why is it i think and, and you kind of mentioned this before is that college is not only for people who are better than you, but there is this sense of meritocracy that at least for, you know, dynastic wealth or for like prep school kids, there is a sense that, well, they just happen to luck into it. They know it, you know it. So whatever, you know, let's just gawk at them. But I think with college, the added element is uh, they actually earned it and you could earn it too if you just worked harder, but you didn't. And I think that's what people resent. We're not quite articulating yet that, uh, like, uh, people talk about it in two ways as a dichotomy, right? There's the aristocratic, um, like, uh, transfer of power and privilege, right? Just by birth, right? And meritocracy is positioned as the diametric opposite of that, right? Like, um, like basically, God sprinkles talent everywhere, and society's job to find it. Um, and it's not going to be it's not going to be where you suspect it's going to be. That's the, that's basically the idea behind meritocracy yeah. here. Um, so the assumption is like, and the assumption is that we have done it, that it has been accomplished. We have created a meritocratic model that can effectively winnow out wheat from the chaff um, across society, and who they credential, who they stamp as being worthy of of, of entry. Um, 
And that's what a degree is. They're just stamping you and saying, we have certified uh, you as, you know, grade A white collar professional, like stamp, boom, out, out you go to like, you know, anyway, um, but we're not quite, um, we're not quite at the point where we're talking fully that one form of, uh, of heritability has now been laundered by the other. So mm-hmm. it's the same class of people that have power and privilege that are more able to um, to transfer that power using the language and the mechanisms of a meritocratic system. So things like hacking, uh, hacking like the like standardized tests and stuff like that, like padding grades, shit like that. That's the that's the trigger that really set people off on the uh, that uh, what's it operation what? Oh, uh, Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues, yeah. Um, and it makes, it, it doesn't, it didn't really make much sense why people would be so much angrier about that than like the actual aristocratic, uh, thing like the, like the Kushners, right? Where daddy Kushner just endowed $10 million, endowed a building on Harvard. And of course his son got in, right? That's mm-hmm. it. That's, I think we all accept that that's kind of an old model of, uh, of, of heritability, of heritability of privilege um that we both don't like but we've also kind of normalized anyway like we just kind of accept this is a way that the world works and there's not much point in fighting it too hard right uh meritocracy though that's the battleground of the middle class the aspiring middle class and everyone who wants to kind of pretend to be middle class here basically College is the is the gateway that people from the that people from the working and lower classes are are allowed to pass into the middle and upper classes, right? So yeah. that's the more contentious gateway. To see someone hack that that is the bigger trigger, because again, it's a it's the it's the it's the hypocrisy. It's the right. Oxford Condo Principle. It's <laughs> not the thing. It's the hypocrisy about it that triggers people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not even just the hacking. It's that the hacking is also then wrapped up in achievement and t- like just desserts. Because you see yeah. the Kushners uh, donating uh, like a mu- like a museum wing, uh, and you're like, oh, you know, that's fucking bullshit. They know it. I know it. But firstly, it's kind of like so rare that it- it's like how many Kushners are out there? You know, not that many. And maybe you can justify it saying. Well, that money might get used for good purposes. Chances are not, but you can imagine that. But when you have, as in the Operation Varsity Blues thing, where people are faking extracurriculars, uh, cheating on SATs, if that works on the surface, it's going to look like those people deserved it more than you. And that's what Mm -hmm. sets people off because it's one thing for them to be above you. And as I said, you both kind of know it, it, it has no bearing whatsoever on who actually deserved it. It just total accident of history and time and whatever. But for them to gloat and like, oh yeah, it's because I'm so smart and work so hard. I'm, I don't know, so likable and charismatic or whatever. And then you find out they cheated. Uh, yeah, that's when that's when people get really pissed off. And I think that's kind of what college has become. It's about a bunch of people pretending to have earned it when you know most of them haven't. And I think the... The twisted thing is, uh, I think we can all agree the SAT is flawed, but you take out the SAT and what are you left with? You got an even more unreliable system of 
patronage. We're back to the and- same subjective, uh, the same subjective criteria that led to the social problems that the SAT was 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 put in place to fix. So we're just we just keep going around in a circle, and it's getting it's getting it's getting tired. Um, thinking of it as a thinking of it as an entitlement is also the problem, uh, because we're used to thinking of it, especially when we're you know, as Asians, when we talk about things like affirmative action, we tend to think of an acceptance as the end goal, right? It's kind of like a prize that you have won, basically. Um, that's the that's that's actually antithetical to the entire idea behind um, like this entire like higher education here. That's the start. That's the start of a process that will end at some point end with uh, end with your successful entry into the professional, you know, the professional classes of the country. Mm-hmm. But we're used to thinking of like just getting that acceptance letter to Harvard. Like that's when the credits roll. Uh, that's not it. And we can do an entire episode on this. Like that's honestly like that. That fight is barely half the battle. L- Finishing those schools and and successfully navigating that that rat's nest into professional life that's its own hurdle and I never hear people talk about that side it's strictly about getting that acceptance letter. Yeah, I mean, not that I've read too many YA novels, but a lot of the ones I read, that's how it ends. It's like uh, the college acceptance, and then the the student, I mean, uh, or the main character is like driving away to a better and brighter future. Um, especially, oh, well, I, I think I, I tend to read more of the YA novels I do read. Uh, yes, I know I should be ashamed, but I do it for research purposes. A lot of them are Asian Americans. So they're going to deal with very you know, Asian American interests. I mean, the target audience for that is going to be, you know, middle class, top or middle class people. So it's, that's how, that's the happily ever uh, after. It's like the, it's like the rom-com with the wedding. The equivalent is the, the protagonist driving away to college for their wonderful yeah, four years. Yeah. And it's a it's a really weird way to think about it, honestly. Um, and I, just, I think there's something. I think people still kind of hold this image that there's something sacrosanct about the stuff that you do learn in college. Uh, like the higher there, the higher you go in the college. You know, the U.S. News uh, College Report. The higher your school is on that ranking, somehow the better your 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 education was. I am here to tell you that, that is not the case. Um, it is strictly about the the degree. Um, there will be variations. I'm not, that's speaking very, very broadly, but like to take, to take one example, like, uh, like computer science, right. Programming, you can find basically everything professionals use. You can learn all of it's all free on the internet. You can find it all over the place. There's, uh, if you're just learning the skills itself, uh, and you have the right motivation. I mean, technically, you could cobble together uh, a, a, a top tier university education for yourself. The resources are all are all out there. There is nothing locked behind closed doors to that extent. Right. I do think that most people now know. I mean, I think we all kind of know. You can go on YouTube and probably listen or watch like a 20 minute video on uh, theoretical physics. And it's going to be way more entertaining than any uh, semester long class at the highest ranked school could be. But I, I do think people are just after that. Not only just the, the, the seal, just the acceptance from a prestigious school, but I do think there's an element of, well, this is the choosiest place and they chose me. Um, I must be destined for something because they, they, they see something in me. And it, it's kind of like that. I hate to make a fucking Harry Potter reference, but it's kind of like the sorting oh, yeah, hat. Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, it, it's that <laughs> element. It's like you're, especially when you're, you're like a, a teenager, you don't really know 
what skills you have, if any at all. You don't know what you really want to do. And, and you just want some uh, magical authority to tell you you're special. And and the uh, more selective the school, the, the more special you must be. I think everyone kind of knows that all the classes are the same. Unless you go to some like unaccredited school, that's going to be terrible. But generally speaking, you know, it's like, what could you possibly learn? There's no secret knowledge that some elite school is hiding. Uh, they probably have like secret connections, which again, is probably what a lot of people are after as well. But in terms of classes, I don't think most people are under that illusion anymore that you just simply learn more by going to a higher ranked school. I hope so. Um, so I think it's a, so it's the idea that there is knowledge that there is somehow, something is somehow more sacred, which turns, which actually turns the white professional class, the white collar professional class, I should say, sorry, uh, not a race thing. This is a collar, <laughs> collar thing. Um, it's, uh, it's the idea that these people are now priests. They have taken on the role of priests in modern society in that case. Not quite professionals, knowledge workers, or even service providers, uh, like distributors and vectors of, of uh, holy information, right? Uh, and that's a, that's, a, that's a big problem for, the, for a society to operate. For one thing, it, it creates a division between people who do pass through the gates and people who are left outside, right? And that's a division that really should not mean as much as it does. But we've made it very, very significant, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it creates a, I mean, it's creating a really ugly sense of uh, like uh, derision and maybe uh, disgust at the idea of the class jumper. Right. Especially when it comes down to things like loan forgiveness or debt forgiveness or, you know, tuition adjustment or restructuring of college loans like that. There, there people are like, if you, if you couldn't afford it, why did you sign up? Like and the tone of that is how dare you uh, how dare you try to rise above your station? They're intention. They're very intentionally ignoring that uh, society has been geared towards brainwashing everyone that you just absolutely need a college degree to uh it's not really brainwashing because it's true um that you need this college degree to get ahead to make anything of yourself um to get to make a wage that can actually provide you with a living that can that that allows you to live with a little dignity right uh but then they turn around and say well if you couldn't afford it how dare you right weird isn't it so this is a this is a really old form of like class prejudice that's coming out in this, or people saying like, "Well, I paid off my college loans. Why couldn't you?" Because the entire system is broken. Is why I know people, a good friends of mine who went to who went to college and got their teaching degrees, but teachers get paid nothing. Like they really could not get they could not pay off the student loans that they took on just to make it to that job. Um, this is, this is societal rot at a really deep level. All right. So uh, speaking yeah. of societal rot, uh, oh. let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we did kind of promise, I guess, uh, a lighter episode. So, um, <laughs> definitely worthy topic. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, maybe on another episode. Okay, the, the, the happy, th I think college should basically be free. Honestly, oh, yeah, I think no, trade school should so. come back. Uh, and if we've made a society, if we decide as a society, this is the information that if, if this is the stuff we need people to know. Uh, then we should be making that investment into those programs and those people. It should not fall on individuals to uh, to make their way um, to make their way through. Yeah, it also should be like demystified, and it just it should just be the whole pageantry around it is just uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I think it, it I think people just need to stop being 
it, it just extends, I think, adolescence way too much. Um, yeah, as a it very is. adolescent, very twisted way of thinking. Like yeah, so you know, yeah. Let, let's just make it more. Let's just bring people up to speed uh, into maturation faster instead of just um, putting them on this campus. A prolonged other, adolescence, yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's like prolonged high school. That's what that's what it all is. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Okay, just a couple more topics to hit up. Uh, Ariana Grande, uh, sort of in the news again for this uh, Asian fishing thing. Jess, what's your take on this? I think it's hilarious. Uh, so, the, <laughs> so the thing is, uh, so she came. Um, did she announce some collaboration with the K-pop band or something? No, I mean, I, just, I, it, just it a- was it was just a photo shoot, I think. And okay. I'll admit when I first like like just started scrolling Twitter, you know, over coffee in the morning, I kind of just saw it and thought it was like an Asian like it really she, I I didn't know it was her. I thought it was like like some Blackpink member or something doing a photo shoot. And then people were like, "Well, that's Ariana Grande." Like, "Oh shit, really? oh shit, it is." So, um yeah, there's no way she didn't know what she was doing there. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um what it as for what it all means, I just think it's hilarious. Like in what so, way? Uh, like, so she's been accused of black fishing, right? Where she p- puts on, you know, a thick layer of a uh, fake tan, you know, puts, uh, I don't, I'm not really familiar with her music. It's so generic that I listen yeah, I to it and I don't remember I know a couple songs by it. her, but, you know, for somebody so famous, um, it is, yeah, she, she's like, I mean, they call it bubblegum, but she really is like bubblegum. Just like, doesn't fill you up. You just, just spit it out after you're done with it. Right. Yeah. Um, so she's so she's been accused of black fishing. Uh, she's also been accused of what, what would be like Latin fishing or brown fishing, where she kind of takes on like like vaguely Latin slash Hispanic cultural overtones. Yeah, I, I think with her that's look. a lot of her tanning um, or or like the bronzer she puts on really makes her look Latina. I don't know. I mean, just for, I don't know her that much, uh, but you know, I don't know if she's actually like gone black fishing in the sense of you know having dreads or really darkening her skin so i I think i think that like black fishing in the in the latina fishing or whatever you call that is kind of like the same uh gradient of of things she's done yes and she's a she's a white woman i was very surprised to see a picture of her you know much younger very pale i guess she's italian or something Uh, like like european mix of some sort like i was surprised by that so i'm rooting for her she's like she's she's really like she's going for it like how many races are there left for her to to try to approximate here (laughs) this is this is actually a pretty good like this is a pretty stunning achievement in its own in its own right she is the tofu of white women okay (laughs) she absorbs the flavors of whatever she is next to this is a new genre of white person that we are seeing emerge and and I am here for it, to be honest. I want to see how far you can go. Like it, it doesn't like make you mad. Not really, no. Hmm. Like I, I want to see her. Like okay, like put her around Smurfs for a long time. <laughs> I want to see her try to try to try to try to copy that look. Like let's let's see how far this can go. Honestly, mm-hmm. no, it doesn't make me mad. Yeah, I, I mean, I also really okay. Don't I'm not. Care, inv- but- I I think I under I understand the offense. Right, I I do right. If it's if it's a white woman who is able to like do stuff like like uh, like do exaggerated eyeliner that gives her you know slanted eyes or something, and that is something uh, that a lot of people do get bullied over, especially as children. Um, it really does suck to see someone get praised for that for that sort of thing. As a, as an adult, 
um, that you know someone else got bu- completely bullied for, and it's st- and still, uh, and it's still kind of a, a a sore spot, right? As people move th- through society, right? Uh, I understand the offense. It's it's just in uh, the impact, the ability of uh, her ability to impact anything that um, I find uh, negligible here. Yeah, I mean, like on a purely personal level, I either way, I I don't arouses no emotion in me. But I have, you know, known Asian women who, you know, when they were younger, had um, a lot of issues with their own like body image and and their how they looked and it was only you know fairly recently i think especially with uh, asian pop culture becoming more of a thing uh, where they finally i guess stopped hating how they looked and i can understand them being upset here comes this like white girl same kind of white girl who probably uh teased them or bullied them back in grade school now uh getting praised for it. i totally get that and i want to you know defer to them and support them there's also part of me that's like we all know there's a certain type of Often, like, you know, I mean, we we talked, Jess, I remember you once saying that, like, the experiences of Asian men and Asian women in America are not that different. It just gets very exaggerated because the type of, especially, like, Asian American women who become, like, the blue check types are so non-representative of Asian American women in general. And I think that's very true, which is why, you know, with someone, so something like this, I want to defer to, like, you know, the Asian women I knew who who get upset about this. But also another part of me is, like, if, you, if it is that kind of like Asian blue check woman who probably throughout her life has kind of copied white women in all sorts of looks, tastes, you know, all that, I just kind of feel like, well, what goes around comes around. So that part of me, call it petty or whatever, I don't feel too much sympathy for them. But I think for the majority of, you know, more average, I don't want to say average, that's kind of a condescending word, but you know, like the more Median. representative, more representative yes. Asian American sure. women, uh, I think. It's not really my fight because I don't really personally feel anything, but you know, I get where they're coming from and I want to support them. Yeah. The hurt is real. So um, if someone is, is angry and has a personal experience, has personal experience with that, like they are entitled to that anger. 100%. Like if you're, if if you hear this, come find me on Twitter. If you know your bully, we'll go flame them on Twitter together. I will absolutely help you bully online. (laughs) That is my 100% guarantee here. Um, it's just uh it's just uh, like at some point at least at least for me you kind of have to create that boundary this is stuff that i am not i am choosing this is baggage i am not choosing to take with me any further because at this point it really just hurts me more than anyone else around me so that's a personal decision that i've had to make over the years right to let that shit go and reduce the amount of uh to just not let it occupy any like i don't think i really suffered under like oppressive beauty standards or anything to be to be quite honest it's just i had to i have to just tune all that out right it doesn't do me any any good and with the benefit of some years on it it like like what is like what is her doing this kind of indicate here this does indicate a um a rising tide for like uh, the desirability uh and the appeal of asian aesthetics right and I right. even hesitate. So she's not appropriate. Like she's Asian. She's. I can't really feel like she's taking from me personally. Like one, my eyes aren't even shaped like that, and I don't do my makeup like that. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's not. So it's hard for me to even say that to feel like she is taking something that I feel belongs to me and that I have claimed through like through through a trial by fire over you know over the course of my life or something. 
Um, but it, to see her do that, I mean, I, I mean, maybe she's just the uh, the the most visible the the most visible person doing this. But uh, isn't there a whole thing on TikTok where like Korean beauty trends and are taking over? Like I see people emulating um, K-pop stars all the time. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's just. I mean, uh, this is probably like worth a whole topic, a uh, pod itself. But uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion. Like, well, would you think that this was horribly ugly and they made fun of it or didn't do it? And uh, yeah, I think it's people, a lot of them working out um, kind of like childhood issues. And it's just like they got a vent, which I get. Uh, but also, um, as you said, it is in the big scheme of things. A positive development way better than if we're going the other direction like what if we were the ones like putting on blue contacts and and taping our eyes uh with the the lid all you know that thing or dyeing our hair or all that crap you know Mm -hmm. so part i mean part of this is kind of uh, like we're not there yet but this is all like successive approximations and iterations toward some some goal where you know cultural cues um, are more are able to be shared across different groups, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a good ideal to be working towards. And one thing that you know, and and a thing that is worth keeping in mind to take a more like generous, you know, long view of things is uh, helping to um, normalize uh, exchange like that. Um, and this is different from like just outright like expropriation or appropriation, whatever, right? Just normalizing the ability to share uh, stuff like that uh, helps create a culture where like younger people, like the generation coming up behind us, people who are children now, uh, are less likely to be bullied for those things that maybe we did, that we were. Yeah, I mean, when Liza talks about her kids, it's like a totally different world they're growing up in. Mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I'm glad. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's, it sucks. It really does, right? Because some of the stuff, if you experience it as a kid, there's a limit to how much resolution you really can get, right? At some point, you're never going to get full satisfaction. I think this is why like childhood stuff, like especially high school drama just has that universal appeal. Cause that's kind of, that's kind of where a lot of these things are litigated and where they kind of have to be left behind uh, without an easy resolution. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, what I, I see it as part of our job as grown adults now to kind of help uh, cultivate a cultural environment where the kids coming up now don't have to expe- don't have to experience that. And I think this is more this is um, this is this is kind of working, at least with in terms of like Asian representation. I have no complaints about that. Um, mm. I, it seems great. To see people, to see people normalize, uh, like seeing Asians and seeing Asians as, uh, as <laughs> seeing Asians as people, um, <laughs> much less like desirable, attractive people. You know, this is For this sure. is great. Yep. Okay. Uh, so uh, rounding out this episode, I, I just you said you you really want to talk about Gremlins, which is a movie I haven't seen. <laughs> um, so I I think actually I kind of want to do this for all our December episodes. Let's uh, spend a little you know short time talking about. Hollywood, uh, not Hollywood, holiday uh, movies or shows that we like. And something I started this year, I got a r- big head start on it. What always happens to me is I, it's like usually like December 23rd rolls around and I realize, oh crap, I haven't watched these like Simpsons specials that I always watched when I was a kid. That always, you know, is good nostalgia vibes. 
I gotta watch this. I gotta watch Charlie Brown Christmas. I gotta watch Frosty the Snowman. Uh, I gotta watch these movies. And oh crap, it's like I can't spend um you know eighteen hours in in two days just binge watching everything. So this year, as soon as it became December, um, I made a whole list. I've been like starting to go down through it, mix of the old and the new. And I mentioned it before. Watched uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, and there's some classics that I always watch around Christmas time that I will, but also gonna watch some new things too. So. So it's a it's a yearly ritual. What I, I'm a lot of people probably do this right. Every time Christmas comes, usually often linked with stuff you saw when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Winnie the Pooh and Christmas too. I love that little special. Tinker Toys. Have you ever seen that? I love that. It's where no, I've never even heard of it. Okay, so it's it's just like a ten minute short. It's where Donald Duck gets into a Christmas war with Chippendale. <laughs> it's so uh-huh. funny and and. Uh-huh. Yeah, as a kid, I loved it because they they have like these guns that shoot walnuts. It's it's amazing. I love what? it. Yeah. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I might have to check that out. I mean, I don't know the uh, like the the American holiday canon is pretty stacked. That's oh a, yeah. That's a when deep I was making list. my list, it was just like, oh my god, this is way too long. I probably won't get yeah. through it all, but I have to like leave Hulu out some stuff. Hulu has a and... really cool feature where they'll do like like Halloween episodes. They'll just aggregate like Halloween episodes for shows or Christmas episodes or stuff like that. Um, and it's it's it just never ends. Everyone does this. Yeah, it's so, too much. Yeah. So so anyway, Gremlins. Uh, what what did you want to say about Gremlins? Um, Gremlins. I have said it before, but I am not gonna let anyone listening to this forget. Gremlins is Asian American representation, and this is a hill I will one thousand percent die on. I, I should watch so, that to to see if I agree with you or not, because I still have not. Uh, so I have to take your word for it for now. Um, so uh, you know, you're generally a good judge of stuff. So <laughs> I I think you're okay, probably right. Okay, so on should this. I not should I not spoil this? I do have a whole rant on Gremlins, but I don't want to hmm, spoil this. Maybe for you. we can do it for a later episode. Like okay. uh I, yeah. Um yeah so listeners if you haven't watched Gremlins, watch it before Christmas rolls around because we'll probably talk about it on an upcoming episode or just that you know no we will end. i'm gonna make sure because i <laughs> i have i will die on this hill i mean and i was disappointed okay i'll i won't talk about the movie but i will talk about how i saw it right this movie is older than i am right and i had no idea what it was about honestly this is how mm-hmm. but it's but it's in the holiday canon right everyone knows of this movie at least um so it's that everyone watched this and apparently no one has caught any smoke for it um, in the almost forty years of its existence, is kind of problematic here. So mm. I, I need. So we need to talk about this. Okay. But yeah, I, I mean, it's, it. Liza is such a movie buff. Um, it kind of rubbed off on me. I hadn't like for like ten years. I didn't really watch movies or really like <laughs> movies or TV at all. Mm-hmm. And I didn't grow up with uh, with watching stuff, so it never became a habit. But um, kind of her her love of movies kind of rubbed off on me. So I decided, like I think it was like two three years ago. I decided to just commit to watching all the Christmas stuff that I hadn't really seen as a kid. So I popped a, so I popped a gummy and (laughs) made a hot toddy. I made a whole like ritual of it. I got my fuzziest slippers. I popped a weed gummy. I made a hot toddy. um, And I settled in to watch gremlins. And I'm just like, I'm just like losing my mind. I was not expecting it. I was not expecting this movie at all. Like, what it turned out to be was not what I had pictured at all, and no one had told me. Yeah, I, okay, I'm, I'm looking forward to it now. Hopefully, it's on a streaming service somewhere. It is. It's on HBO Max. Please check oh, it out. Yeah, I will. Yeah, on my list, I'm very looking forward. These are movies I have not seen before. Uh, Edward Scissorhands, I've actually never seen, so it's about time okay. I do. 
Meet Me in St. Louis. Uh, it's been kind of on my list for a while. I just never got around to watching it. And do you Shopper- like musicals? I generally do, actually. Yeah. Okay, I think you would like it. It's very, very bubblegum. It's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a good one. I think yeah. you'll enjoy it if you. But you have to like the genre. Yeah, I do. And then uh, the shop around the corner um, is apparently okay. a Christmassy movie. So I didn't. Looking I, forward to I that haven't seen that. Well. Yeah. So you got like movies and TV shows you need to catch up on. Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched a, a couple of Seinfeld Christmas episodes. Okay. Uh, I, I've obviously watched. Wait, which ones are your favorites? I, I need to watch some Simpsons. Um, oh, okay. So Simpsons. I think the three. My three favorite Christmas Simpsons episodes is. Uh, this one's like their first one. Uh, Simpsons roasting over an open fire. This is the one where uh, Homer doesn't get his Christmas bonus because Mr. Burns is being a cheapskate. So he has to find a way to uh, get that extra money so that his family can celebrate Christmas. There is March Be Not Proud, which is the one where Bart goes shoplifting uh, during Christmas season. Uh, and then, he, uh, and then you know, bad stuff happens. And then the Miracle on Evergreen Terrace, that's one where... Bart actually burns down all their Christmas presents and trees, and he blames a burglar, and then um, and hijinks ensues. Those are my three favorite Simpsons Christmas What episodes. seasons are those? Well, uh, the first one I mentioned, uh, uh, Simpsons Roasting Over an Open Fire, first season. I just watched The Miracle on Evergreen Terrace. That's ninth season. March Be Not Proud, uh, I'm not sure. I think it's probably like seven or eight by my estimate. Okay. So still like young Young Simpsons. Oh yeah, I I refuse to acknowledge anything that came after like season nine. It just it's oh, dead really? to me. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I will go check that out. <laughs> My Christmas thing is a video game. Honestly. Oh what? It has nothing to do with the holidays, but um, I don't know. I work for myself, right? So holidays tend to be a little uh, like a downtime. So generally, mm-hmm. around like beginning of December is when everything slows down, and it doesn't really pick up. Um, it didn't really pick up for me, at least, until like well into January, like maybe towards the end of January. So it's basically two months. Um, so I, my thing was always like picking one very long video game, one oh, yeah. that has like a ton of grinding. Uh, to do and then that's what i would just kind of do over the holidays oh i thought you meant there was like one game you always played during uh... no oh no 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 oh, okay no. so what, it'd, it'd be a different game but like like one <laughs> what very, are you playing this like, year uh this year i haven't i haven't picked yet um it's not quite the same this year as it has been in previous years so i may not do the video game thing but you know very cherished memories the first the first time i did this um it was final fantasy 7 mm. that's, uh, that's a grinder just, for sure yeah it's a grinder for sure, but I think that's probably my favorite holiday grind game. Mm-hmm. Uh, fi- uh, yeah, I think the next year was uh, like Final Fantasy twelve, I think. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then, uh, and then, and then over quarantine, I just I played Red Dead Redemption a lot because oh, it yeah. felt like going outside. So there's cool. that. Okay, I think uh, I think we can wrap it up there. Yeah, yeah, great. Enjoying pod with you, Jess. As always. Yep. And for listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, catch us soon. Uh, if you're a patron, obviously the bonus pod's coming up. And if you're not, we'll be here next week. Or if you want to hear us again, join our Patreon. Until then, goodbye, everyone. Bye.